We are I. Welcome back, everybody. This, this is part four with Sohail, and we're going to cover a little bit of ground that we already have because it ties into, you know, like exactly the project that Sohail is working on right now. And, you know, and just to bring some like authenticity and validity to it, not that it needs any because of the man who's speaking on the subject, but um, we're going to go back to the photo bioreactors um, that Sohail developed in China and like what that, that project meant and how it's got him to where he's at today and kind of like that whole process, you know, from the photobioreactors and the different like systems and like the different materials they've used, you know, like along the way with successes and failures and some of the, you know, different scientists like around the world that he's teamed up with and, you know, from different countries and, you know, different regions of the world and, you know, like what it's all meant to be able to get to where we're at today. So, um, here we go again. Let's saddle up. Part four. Drop it on us, Will. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What a bounty to be talking to you today. Um, um, we go back to at the period I was in China after teaching at university about environment protection. I felt that, well, talking is easy. <laughs> it's actually action is needed to be. So I took six of the students with me. Uh, that I felt they were bright and I would work with them developing various technologies that address the need. But at the end, um, the best technology that I could foresee was developing the technology around algae. And that's where the first photobioreactor. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I had very little knowledge of the biology and the microbial world. And I needed education, I needed knowledge, I needed training, I needed everything that would help me to actually go in that direction. So I started to read more books on biology, a little bit here and there, educating myself. And then I learned that there are international conferences. So out in China, I did my first trip to the U.S., uh, directly going to international conferences at that time. And um, during the conference, there was a professor who was the leader and who was the most amazing professor. His name was Mario Tredici. And Mario Tredici is a professor at the University of Florence in Italy. And uh, he, has, he is one of the most published scientists I had ever known. And there was another one, American, called John Benneman. But Mario had actually designed and developed the most uh, varieties of forms and shapes of photobioreactor in the world. And he had done extensive research and scientific investigation in how photosynthesis operates and how it applies to the algae world. So I was fascinated by his presentation, but at the end of the conference, he said, well, all this knowledge has to be at the end of the day. It's wonderful. It's all mostly at the lab scale. There has not been 
major solution of how to bring it at large scale in a way that actually be controlled. There are people who open, make ponds and let algae grow naturally and they control somehow the feed, the nutrient that they are putting into the pond to feed the algae. But it's really not controllable because a wind, a typhoon, bird, animal, anything that can come in and suddenly change the uh, pH, the acidity or the alkalinity of the environment, a pollution can come in, an acid rain, suddenly you lose millions of dollars of investment in open pond. So he said we need systems in which we have more control about the environment when we grow these species of algae if we are doing it for specific food or fuel or environmental conditions. So that brought me to the idea that maybe I could bring in my experience with what is called appropriate technology. That means simplifying technology to the level where complex scientific element can be understood by barefoot villagers. <laughs> that was my expertise. So how can make function that are very complicated acceptable and doable by simple uh, people who have no background technically but who can grasp the concept right away and implement it because if we have to do something using algae technology it has to be replicable at a very large scale and they love things in which people take development in their own hand so I wanted to develop a technology that was achievable and uh, so that's where, uh, together with Professor, I remember we were in that amazing hotel and he was going to go in his apartment and uh, he took a lift, the elevator, and I saw that, well, if I introduce myself and he's surrounded with so many kind of top gun that I will not have chance to get his attention. So I jumped into the elevator and I said I have only 30 seconds from one floor to the next one to give him an idea of who I was and what I intend to do. So I introduced myself, I said this is my name Sohail Motahide and I am coming from Canada and by the way I lived in Africa and in Africa actually I modified the cars to run on charcoal and on any source of carbon and that brought his attention you modified cars in africa with no fuel i said yes the fuel the liquid fuel that we use petroleum i actually my cars and the canadian government cars that we developed in africa were working on charcoal or anything that you can catch on the road and put it in the gasifier and you work and that brought his attention. So, oh, let's sit down. Okay, so that was, so we sit down and I show him a number of pictures and drawings and uh, development and uh, research that I had done. And he really got excited and said, can you think, you think you can bring this advanced technology into the masses so that people will actually be able to implement it? I said, yes. I think we can reduce the cost of this technology so that everybody 
can use it, farmers and so on. So he said, okay. So then we started. I asked a lot of questions about how the algae technology works, how it um, can absorb the CO2. And he had written uh, a number of books on photosynthetic processes. And he was explaining that intensively during the conference. But he said, most people, they don't catch it. I don't know why. Because usually algae is a surface kind of absorption. Any algae that is at a lower level of the water, the sunlight cannot penetrate. So the algae that is at the very bottom of the, the pond cannot really absorb much of the solar light. And so there is very little photosynthesis that happens. So it's a surface related technology. And uh, so basically whatever you do has to be surface related. So I said, okay. So basically that started. So I started to develop a number of design and technology. And through email, I sent him pictures and design drawings, testing. And he said, oh my God, so hey, I had never seen somebody prolifically developing new design, <coughs> new technology in such a fast time between one version to the other. And he said, okay, we are ready to write a patent together. And so we developed the first patent <coughs> in China when I was still there trying to look at the problems. And so we developed the, the first technology. It's still a technology that can be only used in hot environment. <laughs> going to drink a little bit something here. Well, I'm sure that you need it after like all this like talking and stuff. I, I'm still amazed at how much talking that you can do and keep a, a, yeah. a wet mouth. Because like I drink water constantly all through the day with how much talking that I do. And um, yeah, like I'm like five these containers of water to like your one sip so so basically so the technology that we had developed and by the way all this is available on the podcast yeah um and there's a lot of videos and drawings attachment and um, a lot of website and everything that they have said so far you actually have images pictures drawings videos explanation all that is available. It's a mountain of information, but nonetheless, some of us will digest some of it. <laughs> I myself, I'm always questioning how possible so much development, so much material can be produced, but it's gift. So yeah. let's all enjoy that gift. Well, and it'll be there as a resource for people if they want to kind of like dabble in and out of it, because you know, even if people keep it like pretty surface and just look at like the pictures and stuff, it's going to bring the the authenticity to all the stuff that you've talked about when they they see you at, like in the jungles, they see like you know like this uh, this road building equipment, unless they see all these things, this becomes so much more real, right? That's so, right. That's yeah. right. So basically, after uh, five years in China, we came back. And um, I was so much impressed by this possibility of algae that we decided with my wife to create a company called Alga Bloom and test various technologies. And uh, during testing, 
we I went to Victoria because the University of Victoria professor Francis Nano a top microbiologist renowned internationally was there and I went I met with him and I said here's what I want to do he said okay let's do write a funding project and of course they get the fund we hopefully get the benefit of the research but anyway we started to do a number of scientific publications research on on the photobioreactors and mostly on how different species of algae we could use so the first algae was called Sinococcus that professor uh, Nano had modified genetically to produce a biofuel to increase the efficiency of the biofuel content, the lipid content in the algae. So we tested that, we were amazed, but biofuel is very expensive. And so it would not, at that time, it was not able to replace any, and it needed a lot of funding to actually get into the biofuel business. And that was not really my main intention. I. I had a great love for health and healing and the health sector having lost my first wife Monique to cancer I was always looking for solution that would get us closer to health and healing of the masses of people so um, so we looked at other algae species such as hematococcus which is an algae that is red color and is very highly antioxidant and it creates a product called astaxanthin which is extraordinary high good for the brain and the, the body so that we did some experiment we achieved some success but not to the level that we could produce it massively it needed too complex technology. So still that was not the one that was going to be used for mass culture. And then we tried another species called nanochloropsis, which is mostly used for feeding the, the, uh, the fishes because it's food for the uh, hatcheries. And then we reached the fourth algae that we tested which is called spirulina. Oh my God, what is spirulina? Oh my God, no idea what the creator has done. Now, I'm going to a little bit give the history, where does spirulina come from and how did we learn as human beings, as civilization about spirulina? Spirulina was the first food found by the Aztec in Mexico in the 1600. So it's the first traces that they found of algae that people, civilization, were using it. Then they found that the people in Chad, Africa, were also among the first users of the species of algae. Um, and they were making cakes out of algae. Cakes meaning that they were taking the scum 
from the lakes that they were collecting, drying it, and using it as a, as a kind of barter against precious materials that they would buy and sell. It was the most potent superfood that was existing at that time. So algae is, has been known among the ancestral and the pharaohs and the, the kings, and it was food of the royalties in the early ages of the discovery of, of spirulina. Now, in the 1960s, if everybody recalls, there was a race to go to the moon. And in 1967, um, the NASA, the American, saw that the Soviet were so advanced in space technology, and they were, American were so behind, that they wanted to speed up the race on going to the moon. And they needed some food that they grow in the space shuttle, a food that would be both a food and a medicine. And they needed to grow it in the space shuttle during the long travel. So they started to investigate what you call a bioregenerative solution. That means an algae that would take all the pollution, the CO2 that the crew astronaut would generate in the um, uh, space and also in the shuttles and also the urine and the other element that they are extracting from the body, they wanted to regenerate that and use it actually as a food. <laughs> well, when with purification and detoxification and all that with algae using the complexity of what it is and the simplicity of the environmental, uh, I would say the a microbial world knows how to break down everything and purify and detoxify and make it antibacterial. So basically, in between 1967 to 1980s, for 20 years approximately, the NASA studied spirulina as the solution for astronauts. It was extremely, they found that only spirulina was able to repair human DNA because when you are in outer space, you have zero gravity and you have extreme uh, exposure to radiation. And also the fume, the smoke, the stress, the environment. So you needed something that is a protein a DNA that is able to repair the human DNA. So they found that out of all the species of everything else on planet Earth, spirulina was the best candidate. Now, do you know, and like, I don't know if you've researched this, so it's just something that like I've recently like come across in the last year or so. Would you, do you know of that by them saying that it helps increase or um, delay the shortening of the telomere length that's on the end of the DNA strand? Is that how it, it 
does that or I, I I'm not sure I yeah it'd be something is. interesting yeah. to be able to take a look at because like that's kind of like the biomarker for determining age is like the length of these telomeres that are on the end of the DNA strands okay um, so like that may be like what they're referring to when they I say like help repair right. recently there was a conference at UBC that I actually attended and they were actually referring to that oh. so yeah it's very <laughs> yeah. interesting now that you're talking about it yeah. but maybe you see what happened is that they actually went to the taxonomy to the origin of what is really spirulina so okay L let me explain how the first species of uh, spirulina come from in the tropical countries there's a tropical line around the globe and they are volcanoes volcano lakes so each of these volcano lakes has been growing spirulina. Astonishing. The alkalinity is very high. It's between 8.2 to 9, 9.5 different uh, environment. So in that environment, alkaline environment of the volcano and around the tropical line of planet Earth, you have spots which became the cradle of civilization. That's where the growth of the population started because people who were eating spirulina, they will be extremely healthy. And so they were giving babies healthy. So uh, in, in some way, the civilization started from, you know, they have now proven that it started all in Africa that about 200,000 years just yesterday on radio they were telling 200, 300,000 years ago the first human of Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens species, wow. but there were other species yeah. of humans that yeah. existed, but the Homo species they traced it back to two, three hundred thousand years in which they have proofs and evidence. It doesn't mean that they did not exist before, but the, the traces that they have now about 200,000 years, basically they say that they first food of the Homo sapien was algae. And the algae that was available was called spirulina. So it's the first food of the Homo sapien. And therefore, it is very much close to the origin of man. In the, if we go in the history and we go beyond that, they have proven that the, the brain of the human brain evolved three times bigger because of algae. Eating algae, algae spirulina, caused the, the expansion of the human brain and its well, capacity. And you, I think that you said um, on the part three, but I think it was in part two, um, because the amino acid profile um, right. is so high in That's spirulina, right. but then I would probably take that one step further and it would be um, the essential amino acids that are you know in protein not obviously the non-essential ones for because there's very few products and this is what kind of backs everybody into the corner of you know that you know having to eat meat or you know being a, like an extremely diligent vegan and being able to create the combinations of the amino acid profiles to create complete protein strands because that's obviously one of the downfalls of like a lot of other products are incomplete protein strands because they don't have enough of the essential amino acids in them to be able to be a complete protein strand. You're absolutely right. And we will talk 
further now that we are starting to talk spirulina has a whole range of the whole group of the b vitamins b1 b2 b3 b6 b9 and vitamin b12 and we know that vitamin b12 is essential um, now the the quality of the b12 in spirulina exceptionally is not as biodigestible as other sources of b12 so basically all the b's are there but if we can supplement b12 from other sources that are healthy that would be perfect then we will have all the group of b12 but there's plenty of b12 in spirulina so but the the, the digestive system now if you have enzyme that are live that comes with this then all this b12 is absorbable so that's where the difference between powder and dry spirulina comes in and live and fresh and what distinguish our work here is that we are growing a live fresh raw living spirulina which is very full of enzymes and this is why we are so proud of introducing live fresh Canadian spirulina because of its enzymes. Well, so, and just uh, to lay that in for everybody, like, you know, like one of the um, reasons why B12 in our body, it, you know, and I say one of them because there's many, but like one of them is because it helps increase your red blood cell count. And this is something that we talked right. about before. That's exactly. You know, like hemoglobin attaches itself to, to red blood cells and this is what transports oxygen through our body and obviously our bodies thrive on oxygen. So one of the reasons why B12, you know, is so essential to our body and you know, like obviously breaking it down, we're just talking about the bioavailability of like the nutrients in the products that we're eating. So absolutely, um, that is absolutely correct. That yeah. is right. And so then we have the phyto phytopigments. It's not phytonutrient. There is all the phytonutrient, but these are called phytopigments. Pigments are proteins, and they are different colors of proteins. For example, number one extraordinary protein called phycocyanin phycocyanin is the blue part of the blue green algae algae is actually a cyanobacteria cyanobacteria means blue bacteria cyano in greek means blue and cyanobacteria means the blue bacteria so spirulina is not an algae is a bacteria but because of the popular use of the word algae and to not scare people who are afraid of eating what nature has provided, people call it algae because it's something that sounds more friendly. But actually, it's a bacteria and it's an extraordinary bacteria. Now, spirulina is the in the history of origin of life. It's 3.6 billion year old microalgae. And it's the last common ancestor of all plants and animals. So it's the mother DNA protein of all plants and animals. Think of a seed that contains the bacteria has the power in which through the evolution, it allowed the evolution of plants and animals. So it's a bacteria and it's the most potent superfood ever known to man because it contains 
all the vitamin B1 to B12. It has the phytopigments and phycocyanin is called the miracle molecule by scientists. Why? Because it's number one anti-inflammation ever known to man. The toppest level of anti-inflammation ever known in nature is called phycocyanin. It's also a very powerful antioxidant and also it's a neuroprotective. That means it helps the neuron and the brain and it clears the brain from heavy metals. Basically, when you take spirulina, the phycocyanin in spirulina enters the brain. So it does cross the blood barrier. That's what I was crosses, just I was like dying asking. It's like the brain barrier. Yeah. It's the only thing that scientifically it's proven that it crosses the brain barrier, purifies the brain, detoxifies from heavy metal, washes away the traces of dead cells in the brain, and clears the brain. So when you eat fresh living spirulina, the first thing is the brain fog is out because you see clarity. Things that you would not want to do or you feel tired or you are not able to do, suddenly after one, two, three days, you say, oh, I'm going to clean the house. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Things that you don't want to do, suddenly you find the mental capacity and to do it. The second thing is that you see a, a boost of energy, an energy that you would not have before. You feel, oh, today I feel good. I want to do more stuff. I have energy to do things, the fatigue is out. A lot of people see a boost of energy that they have never experienced before. And it's so natural that you actually don't know where it comes from. And then people, and that's why I always tell people, before you take a spirulina, can you kindly write down how you feel today and write about your health status? Because in a week time, I ask you how you feel. And you say, why do you ask me that? You say, you remember, you are the person that whose finger was not through arthritis. You could not move your finger. And now look, and many people, they go, oh my God, you remember. That is right. Why? Because spirna is a gentle. It enters the bloodstream so beautifully, so perfectly. And I will explain why it enters the bloodstream. So perfectly, so naturally that you don't know me see even that you have your body is being transformed so that's phycocyanin and see and, and like one part behind that too is because like obviously like everything that we do and, and especially like what we ingest into our body is always going to create like a certain amount of inflammation <clears throat> so like with this because it's so pure and so easy for a body to break down there's very little inflammation that's associated with that and has anti-inflammatory properties on top of that because you know, like that's kind of like something that I've really started to invest some research in now is that like a lot of these products that are anti-inflammatory, well, how much inflammation does it cause to be able to net that gain? And what's the net gain of like those two worlds? You know, but something like this that's obviously so easily broken down by the body and has such a high level of anti-inflammatory properties on top of it, like you can see the real benefit of that. That's right. And that's one thing I try to tell like people and educate people too is that, you know, when you ingest things like this, they, they work full scale across the body inflammation. They're, they're not spot reducing inflammation, it is whole body inflammation. So you're talking like, like you know, arthritis, you're talking about like gut inflammation, like neural inflammation, you exactly. know, like, like anything, like it, it attacks them all. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And the beauty is that there's, uh, if you go to PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D.com, medical publications, and it's a biomedical publication, there's over 1,800 medical applications or scientific articles written about spirulina. PubMed.com, you go there, you put the word spirulina and you see 1,800 and probably 40 now publications about spirulina. Now, if somebody has a health issue, I recommend they look for the word, for example, spirulina, they put in the search and they put, for example, the word cancer or arthritis or uh, intestinal flora or any diabetes or obesity or health management or something. See, and and this is what I would word. encourage people to do is like, you know, put in spirulina and small bacterial overgrowth, you know, or small intestine bacterial overgrowth from the amount of sugar that people are consuming in their diets. Oh, yeah. Because like that, like that alone, if you just read one of those studies. That's right. Yeah. So you go to PubMed, you do the search, and then you put the second word. If you have any health issue that you are concerned with, double check it for yourself do your own investigation read the scientific i always because the scientific is a bit difficult to swallow it's very scientific you just read read only the last two sentences the conclusion just go right away into the conclusion read and they will you will discover that wow spirulina has been tested and it has proven to be for 99.9 percent of the cases really profitable for the body, beneficial to the body. So basically, so you have the phytopigments, so you have a number of phytopigments, such, such as beta-carotene, which is red, you have phycocyanin, which is blue, then you have um, chlorophyll, which is green. So all those, those are actually pigment protein. And for example, phycocyanin, if you were purifying it and dry it and purify it, that means you have this live spirulina and you freeze it and then thaw it and freeze it three times, you suddenly break the cells of spirulina and the phycocyanin leaches out and then the water becomes blue. If you put spirulina in a glass of water, then you will see that it has some bluish color in it. And then, but if you freeze it, thaw, freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw, suddenly the, it becomes more and more blue. That blue actually costs dry powder form is $20 million per kilogram. Yes, million, $20 million per kilogram. That's the value that the industry is paying for pure clinical proven spirulina. I mean the blue phycocyanin. Anyway, so that phycocyanin is a great value and we actually leave that spirulina, that phycocyanin in our spirulina. Some spirulina companies, they actually don't sell you. They have extracted the blue part and they sell well, it to the farmer. Well, you can see why, yeah. yeah like, it's absolutely. a very valuable product, very valuable. And by the way, the moment that you heat a product, to make it shelf stable or you irradiate it to make it shelf stable like most spirulina in the world are grown in open lakes and ponds 
were animal droppings, heavy metals, acid rains, winds, typhoon are affecting all these open lakes and ponds where the spirina is grown in the world. Now, you end up with a top layer of spirulina that comes and floats, and that's what the, the scum lake that they are actually, <laughs> lake scum that they are collecting, and they dry that, and often they irradiate. So they make it pills and powder, but often you see there is a smell very, that is very strong, and the taste is bitter. The bitter taste comes from the heavy metal and the pollution that has been inevitably coming from being in an open lakes and ponds and the bird droppings. So to overcome that, we are now growing, uh, we grow Aspirina in a closed control environment in a greenhouse. Actually, it's a double greenhouse. It's a greenhouse, a glass greenhouse. And inside the glass greenhouse, we have another greenhouse to make it pure, fresh. So that's the, the, these are all the phytopigments. Then you have spirulina, when concentrated, has between 56 to 70% protein. So it's one of the micro plants. It's a plant that has the highest amount ever of protein in the world. Now, we are spirulina, we grow it naturally, and we don't concentrate. We do it exactly like nature, nature does. When you eat an apple, you don't need, you know, an apple that has been concentrated. You eat the whole apple with its liquid, with, uh, with the juices, with the fibers, with all the holy, whole elements into it. We leave our spirulina in the holistic way, in the whole so, and again, like an easy transfer to that would be is, you know, like a, the the apple analogy would like being like eating an apple versus drinking a glass of apple juice. That's right. You know, or like the apple juice, exactly. you know, you'd be, you know, drinking like five, six apples, which you never normally would eat that many. And then you're robbing yourself of all the other benefit and nutrient of that That's too. right. Yeah. That's right. And also the body does not like concentrated product because our body is 70% water. And so it needs the water to come with the element and the live enzyme that are in the water to improve our digestive system so that we can actually absorb it. So now what happened to the things that you cannot absorb? At maximum, the body can absorb five to 20, 25% of the dry product. That means 95 to 75% of the materials that we eat, the dry powder and pills that we eat, it's not absorbable by the body. It has to be rejected. Some of it is come out, but unfortunately, some traces of it stays in the body. And it goes in the intercellular part of the body and putrefies, ferments, and decay, and causes many of the health issues that we encounter. So eating dry and powdered stuff, we have to question ourselves. That's number one, because we are not able to absorb all of it, and some of it traces are left behind. The second thing is that anything that is dry and powder does not have the associated enzyme that are needed to absorb them. So what happens when you don't have the enzyme is that the body has to seek out, search, deplete enzyme from our stem cell 
from our brain, from our liver, from every organ, body of the body, they have to lose their functional enzyme so that they help you to digest your enzyme, your food, your powder and pill. So by eating powder and pill, you actually deplete slowly and slowly your enzyme, vital enzyme that are designed for other purposes of our system. You know, in which like a key to that, you know, like, you know, this might not be like a, like a real time transfer for you, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, these listeners here are probably starting to bridge this gap of that. I think like in the health and fitness industry, like the global standard that what everybody's pretty much taken in some way, shape or form at a point in time during their fitness quest would be a protein powder. Like that's just that's just par for the course, and that's been for 40 years now. Like that's just when you start working out, go get my jug of protein powder. Like I can't even remember the last time that I've um, like consumed protein powder myself. But like it's just, it's standard. Like the supplement industry, it, it's built on the backbone of like protein powder and powdered everything and like pills and all that kind of stuff. Like there's you know, like you know tens of billions of dollars being spent every year in Canada and the United States alone on powders and pills in the quest for health and fitness yes yes now if you look at the again natural world you see that the strongest the fastest animal in the world are all plant-based and none of them it's powder protein <laughs> this is true and you know and it comes back to like you know those are the, those are the things that like you know when what i always like try to explain is that you know like when it comes down to like animals essentially like in anything outside of like a human being that like it's only the readily accessible uh, materials with inside of their environment you know and like it is like whole foods it is you know like plant-based or that you know like there might be some you know like omnivores or maybe some herbivores like you know like whatever it may be but the the essential part of it is is that you know like we are the only ones who try to like cheat the system you know by creating like these easier ways instead of just looking at like what's around us you know like with my girls i take them foraging all the time and like we're investing in time like well like these berries and like these mushrooms and like these these plants like you just like pluck them right out of the ground you can eat them because like like that's the part like i want them to be educated when they walk out the door that like our world is our supermarket. Yeah, you know, like our supermarket is not like this thirty or forty thousand square foot building that houses the worst food known to man, or like this garbage McDonald's or this horrible Burger King or like these Seven Elevens. Like the, these places are not outlets for food, although we've created them as outlets for food, but they're actually like outlets for our future disease management. <laughs> you know, but if we just like walk outside our door, and it, you know, if you understand, it's like you know even like telling people now like instead of pulling your dandelions like out of your grass and throwing them away why don't you try eating the dandelion greens because the dandelion greens are extremely beneficial to your body that's right you know like in just things like that that we're used to just throwing these things in a food waste bin that's right you know and like like we just don't understand you know like we just we need so much more education and that's where like i feel like the biggest disservice going out there right now is that there's just not there's not enough education there's not enough enough avenues for exploration of like this kind of knowledge because like spirulina may be like the like the apex of this yes but like our world is our supermarket and this is proof of that because spirulina is the base of that world supermarket that's right that's right and so basically um we this depletion of enzyme has caused enormous health issues on our planet enormous uh, arthritis 
um, diabetes, um, all the health issues from the brain, from the body, the organ, the heart, the parts of the body that are affected, the list of it is infinite. And that's why they did experimentation, scientific research, and clinical double-blind studies on spirulina. 1,840 of it is available on PubMed.com. And uh, now, what are, I was, I'm going to complete what is the content in spirulina. So we said vitamin B, B1 to B12, all the phytopigments, the different colors that we have of spectrum of light, actually you have protein of that color into spirulina. So you have a wide rainbow of colors of protein in spirulina. And do anything is like absolutely astonishing to like understand like, you know, with that, um, like the blue um, component of the protein that's in spirulina has such tremendous value and the irony of the reason why that our sky is blue? Uh, I, that's a very interesting, well, because it's, it's algae. Well, that and it's just like, you know, because like that blue light, that blue color is the light that like, you know, enters first. Yes. Like it enters our entrance. So like we see like this color in the sky is like being blue because like that, but then it's also subsequently yes. like the greatest you know, acid. In recently I, I read that people who go next to the water, they feel enormously happier, less depressed. Um, they feel a sense the air is pure. And I was reading it's all because of algae. Oh, Scientific yeah. data is because the algae is more dense next to the water. And so it's because it's in the air, it's a microscopic. And so when we're breathing that, we're recharging our battery of, of solar energy. Well, that and like you're saying, like algae always finds like its best system for operations. Like if you're around water, one could arguably say that naturally you would inhale some algae that would then become a bronchodilator organically exactly. like you, you, would, you would have to be able to draw that conclusion like there'd be no way that you couldn't and yeah. then you know, once you draw that conclusion like if you have this natural inhaling this natural bronchodilator all the time then you're actually getting a lot more oxygen within inside your the, the, inside that, yourself that, that's exactly the case and so basically algae absorbs co2 and releases oxygen so when you eat algae it's like a battery it has concentrated the solar energy inside. So when you eat it, it releases the sunshine inside your body. And this is what is called antioxidant. It's, it's scavenge. The radical, the free radical goes and absorbs them, destroys them because of this power of the energy that is released by the, the sun, this antioxidant. So when you grow, for example, certain species of algae, they have less exposure to the sun. For example, recently, chlorof um, uh, chlorella is being grown into boiler systems fed with sugar. So there's no more access to sunlight anymore. So they, mm. they, came in, they commercially grown chlorella, whereas spirulina, you cannot grow it with sugar. Chlorella, you can. So, and the thickness of the wall of chlorella is very thick. So therefore they use chemicals or they have to break it down to make it humanly um, digestible. So chlorella is good 
as a detoxification is very good if you can find the right source of chlorella that is grown in a sunshine environment and not grown in a boiler full of sugar and other chemicals. And how many companies would be proud enough to be able to put that on their labels? Like you, you would think that that's something that you'd want to see when you were buying a product like that is that, you know, that it was, you know, essentially like, you know, synthesized, you know, in the sunlight, like that, that would be a beacon that you'd want to be able to yeah. put out there. Well, everybody will have to do their own search yeah. and investigate what they, yeah. where, where do they source of product, uh, the food that they are, they yeah. are buying. Then we have GLA and oleic acid. Oleic acid is actually the cholesterol that comes in the milk. And so the mother's milk cholesterol is available in spirulina. It's extraordinary. And that protects the immunity of the baby during the first years of life. And this is available in spirulina. That's incredible. So if you look at the UN, the World Health Organization and the UN, they have created an intergovernmental agency in which they say that spirulina is the solution for malnutrition and uh, pregnant women in Africa and in Southeast Asia and in developing countries. In North America, they say oh, pregnant women are not allowed to eat spirulina. Because the, probably doctors know that the source of your spirulina must have been contaminated because it comes from lakes and ponds. So when people ask us, could a pregnant woman eat spirulina? We say, well, know the source of your spirulina. We know the source of our spirulina. It comes from a closed control environment. It's pure and it's proven to be healthy. So basically, spirulina has fatty acid five to six percent it has minerals because it we actually feed our spirulina with trace minerals which are coming from lakes that are million year old lakes and the trace minerals are coming from that we buy it food grade and we add to that to our spirulina because spirulina needs this micronutrient to grow. Otherwise, it cannot grow. So you need to give spirulina grown in a controlled environment exactly the same condition that you would do in a volcano lake. So that's what the volcano lake, we still depend on them, even if we grow it in a non-volcanic soil in Canada. And then spirulina has 18 amino acids. This is about 1920 amino acid on planet Earth. And here you have 18 of it already in spirulina. So we have covered almost every amino acid form that exists is available in spirulina. And nine are essential amino acid that are required by our body. And um, do you want to get to, I guess I can like briefly like throw there. So the, the reason why that they're essential to the body is because they cannot be synthesized by other that's amino right. acids to be able to produce them. And that's like all the other um, amino acids can be. But that's the reason what makes these ones essential that's is because they cannot be synthesized yeah. by other amino acids. That's right. So that being that they have to be acquired from externally from the plant-based 
<laughs> food that we have. They did a study on checking how much protein a human being needs. And they compared that to the, the milk of the mother human to the milk of animals. And they found that the milk of animals had more protein than the milk of mother human. And therefore they found that human beings, we need very little amount of protein. It's the commercial world that is pushing us with the sale of protein, but we don't need. And by the way, that protein, we cannot digest it, most of it. And so it becomes a major liability. And many people have stomach problems, gastrointestinal uh, problem and digestive problem. The majority of the sports people, they have gastrointestinal problem. Why? Because all this protein that they are taking, they can't digest it, but they don't know the source of their problem. <laughs> so well, that and then, you know, like when people overconsume sugar too and it breaks down the mucin lining in your stomach, you know, like there's just like the, like the compounding effect of like our diet is like astronomical in regards to digestion alone. Never mind everything else. Oh, yeah, yes. Now, the beauty about fresh living spirit now is that it gives you prebiotic enzyme. Now, prebiotic enzyme are actually food of probiotic enzyme. So when you eat fresh living spirulina, you get first the prebiotic enzyme, and then you allow the growth of probiotic enzyme in your own body. So you are now reinforcing the probiotic enzyme that you have in your own body. You are not externally bringing a chemically produced probiotic in your body. Well, and that's that's the thing that drives me nuts about probiotics. When when people are taking, I take I, I take a probiotic, or I have this probiotic drink, and I'm like, stop, because like the amount of sugar that's in your probiotic drink, and how little, because I think when people hear things like five million, ten million, fifty million, like you know, active bacterial cultures, like it's it's so in your face, but like it's actually just it's like that's spitting in the ocean when it comes to like you know like you know probiotics, right? You know like and and we know that, but. You know, when you add that in couple that like that was like the sugar which takes away from your healthy gut biome, which like something like this if you have prebiotic, you know, adding to like the probiotic nature of the you know bacteria that's already in your stomach, like that's just amazing. Like yeah. you yeah. know, and like you said, like taking less because you know taking less is more for our body. Like we want our bodies to be able to do less, but we force it to do so much more. And the beauty is that the body is able to polymerize. That means that you, the less, less is more meaning that you give the formula of the prebiotic enzyme that you are digesting, the body polymerizes, multiplies that, and is able to kind of increase your availability of probiotic. Prebiotic helps probiotic, but it's natural body's probiotic that is developed in your stomach. So basically, so you have that, and finally you have all the chain amino acid um, that are needed, such as, for example, um, for the function of the different parts of our body. As a result of that, there's 55 clinical studies that have been done. Um, we had people with tongue cancer who have told us that they felt so much better after taking spirulina. It's not a cure, but it helps during the treatment. Uh, it absorbs the radiation from um, different, you know, radiation effect. Um, spirulina 
became extremely well known in Japan. Many, many of the good studies done on Spirulina are made in Japan because after Hiroshima, the explosion, um, American felt bad about the explosion. They sent some spirulina to Japan and they were sending it as a supplement, but they didn't know that it was so potent that it was going to take the radiation effect out of the body, the uranium effect out of the body. So people who were taking spirulina, they healed very quickly. Whereas those who were not taking, they died. So after that, then Russian Chernobyl, they also took spirulina and that saved a large population that they were living in that those contaminated area. So in, that, in these contaminated areas, if you created like a system of like holding ponds to be able to grow like, you know, like, like algae and like, you know, the spirulina, like these products, like w would it extract that uranium from the soil where there's been like this like nuclear devastation that leaves the soil rendered like useless? It will, spirulina, what it does is that it takes all the heavy metal and the radiation out of the environment and concentrate it. So when you have the concentration, now you have a spirulina that is concentrated with heavy metal. So now you have to get rid of that. Mm. So it's a concentrator. Yeah. It's, a, it's an absorption of everything. The same way that it absorbs pollution of the environment, it also absorbs pollution in our body. And that's why it's so effective. So, so when if you, you drink or you smoke or, that's you know, right. like, you know, even from like, you know, pollution in our body can even happen, you know, like by way of, you know, like exercise, you know, like, you know, because we're, we're constantly breaking our bodies down and creating free radical damage with the more physically active we are. Like, you know, that's the one thing about the interesting part about exercise is it has great detriment to our body to be able to get great gain, you know, but like, you know, being taken the spirulina, anybody who's like actively working out, it's great for them too, because it helps kind of clean up that absolutely, toxic environment as well. Absolutely. And the beauty about spirulina is that it absorbs every, you see, think of spirulina as something that washes away the dead cells in your body and unlocks the part of the body that have not been moving, the intercellular that I was saying. They, they, when you eat things that are not good for your body, there are traces, elements that stays in your body. When you eat spirulina, the spirulina is able to go and take from the intercellular dead parts that are lingering behind in your body, it just takes it away wash it away and it becomes out of your body. And so basically it purifies the brain, it purifies the organs of the body, and it helps again the movement of elements that have been blocked for one reason or the other. So that's, that's what they found even for radiation. And that's why Chernobyl uh, is a good example of that for radiation and uh, Fukushima in Japan so that's why Japan has become Japanese own I would say 95 to 98 percent of all the spirulina pond in the United States 
which is Hawaii and California. Those are lakes and ponds that grow spirulina. They own all of it. They bought all of it. And in China, many of the best pond of spirulina are owned by Japanese. Why? Because after Japan recovered from the Hiroshima, Japanese became the biggest lovers of spirulina. Unfortunately, with Fukushima, then again, the problem of Japanese spirulina is not reliable, but now they buy from outside. So that was for, for a little bit the history of spirulina. Spirulina has another amazing characteristic. Spirulina is the highest amount, contain the highest amount of chlorophyll in, in any plant form in the world. Chlorophyll has the same chemical formulation than human blood with the difference that the human blood has a core of iron, whereas the core of spirulina is magnesium. Of, so spirulina, when you eat spirulina, the chlorophyll in spirulina is magnesium, living magnesium. We're not talking about dead pill or powder or liquid of magnesium. We're talking about living magnesium, and it has the same chemistry than human blood. So basically, in the early days, Japanese were replacing, it was used as artificial blood, replacement of human blood. So basically, it regenerates very quickly the blood cells and multiplies the blood cells. So that's why spirulina in the early days was considered as a replacement of human blood. And the person who got that got a Nobel Prize. So those are people who really work hard on looking at the human life and its potential. So spirulina is known and uh, it has this beautiful effect. Now, how did we get involved so much with spirulina? Is that after we grow in Canada, in Richmond, our first spirulina, we were not sure exactly at that time what spirulina was. So I heard that spirulina was a good thing. So I said, I'm going to eat a little bit and try. I eat and I see, wow, it's good. Actually, it gives me some kind of feeling of energy. And then Susan tried and she was happy. And then we said, oh my God, at that time, my daughter had fibromyalgia and traces of fibromyalgia and we didn't know what to do so we recommended she took some and it helped her tremendously about 60 70 percent she felt it has changed and the family said wow even if she does not recover it gives it hope of recovery that hope of recovery led to full recovery so after that, we gave it to thousands and thousands of family and friends and sales on the stores. And then we received so many good publicity through recommendation, testimonial, testament of the quality and the benefit that this. So we said that, okay, it's not financially viable to grow spirulina, but we still are going to do on humanitarian base. And now we have reached where we are now in many stores across Canada. 
but still financially is not viable. So we are thinking now about making a decision of how we will move with Fresh Living Spirulina to the next level so that more people would benefit. You know, and I guess that like that's like a, the beauty about like these these podcasts, you know, and just putting that information out there is like like you are a clearly a man who believes and has benefited from putting out there what you want, and I can test that back to when you're when you're sitting in this house, um, you know, in Laos, and just you know like praying to your God and saying like you know like we need these supplies, we need this money to be able to buy these supplies, and then it came to you, is that you know like. There might be somebody who listening to this podcast that just is incredibly inspired about wanting to be able to be a part of this journey and you know either they or they might know somebody wants to invest in this company or knows like a an avenue to be able to take it to the next level or have some great ideas and because all your guys' information is going to be attached to each one of these releases and all over social media like I would I would I would love it if it was that next leg in your guys' journey where like you've put something out there that you want and like you draw what you need out of life because of what you give life like that would be absolutely incredible well blake when i heard that you had this podcast we say oh my god we have tried many many things for the good of the world the time has come to share our experiences with the world and tell people what we're doing and i truly believe that there's so many lovers who are there and who love humanity, who love people, who love seeing the world becoming a better place. And that's how we decided, okay, let's go and share what we are doing. And I'm sure we will find a lot of like-minded people who are willing to support and help others, basically. And uh, we all are here. As I said in the early days, uh, the first podcast, the suffering of one is suffering of all. The well-being of one is the well-being of all. So that's the, the, the inspiration that has kept us until now. And uh, my wife and me, we have been subsidizing now the sale of spirulina for two years. We have spent millions of dollars out of our own pocket and uh, through investors that we have received. But we started with technology as you know, I'm an engineer and we started to grow technology and we had a lot of demand for technology, for the environment, for different things. But then we, when we see the benefit of the health that is bringing to the people, we shifted from technology to humanitarian health and healing. But the health and healing has not been profitable. Financially, we have not been able to really maintain a financially viable business but we're still continuing to subsidizing because we receive so many emails so many people telling us how thankful they are for their health improvement and their recovery so we have this challenge now how how long we can hold to it and so it has been a challenge that we are facing but we know like everything challenge you know is a it's also a stepping stone to the next level of your life. You know, and I look at, you know, like any, a lot of people and everybody who knows me, and especially like with, with this podcast. So I'm um, give you guys a little bit more of like a, like a backstory and even to kind of refresh maybe some of the newer listeners, you know, to WRI is that, um, 
like my goal behind like starting this podcast was was that I want to create a, a bank of episodes, like like a library of episodes that if I do decide to you know really take it or if it takes off or it's something that I'm going to do it, then after I have this bank, then I'm going to start promoting it, you know, and because I've never actually promoted this this podcast ever, all the all of the growth has been very organic and like it has had great growth. I'm extremely grateful for um, like how everything's happened, but I, I, I've actually found it to be quite overwhelming, like the, the success that this, this podcast has had. Um, and I've always been waiting for like this one moment and like this one like podcast where I knew that there was like, this is going to be the time I didn't know whether it was going to be like with somebody or like it was going to be a solo podcast I've done by myself or, you know, like what the landscape of it would be. Um, but I do know now that over all the time that I've been, you know, writing this podcast and all the episodes that have been happening, like, like this is, this is the one that I've been waiting for. This is the series that I've been waiting for where, you know, like it's just, this is where like the, the promotion of like we already start. So, you know, my point behind this is that, you know, I just released a podcast like, you know, recently it's called like backseat driver where it's understanding the value of like knowing the direction that you want to take, um, but not forcing it to be able to get there. Just sitting in the backseat and watching the road to be traveled, you know, and like, you know, we're, you know, because like we are such like like-minded individuals, like I said, with like the whole concept behind We Are Eyes that, you know, like we we are all outliers. Like we are all outliers of life. We just need to choose to want to understand, to explore how we are an individual outlier of life. And that is our contribution to life. You know, and like the, like the principles that you stand for and like the magnitude of your story and just how we were drawn together by like a young man that I mentor and I've known for years and that's a great human being. Just how all this stuff was, was not forced. It, it came about and it just, this is why I feel there's going to be some, um, there's going to be some success attached, you know, to like this release of these podcasts, like for you guys, it'll help take your business to the next level, whether it's through sales or somebody who wants to invest or like, you know, like, um, companies who want to carry the products or anything along those lines because it was all easy. It was all pure. It's all genuine. Nothing was forced. There's no alternative motive. There's no, like, you're not a sponsor of this podcast. Like, you know, like, like I just recently started taking your, your guys' products like a couple of days ago because you gave me some and I think they're fantastic. Like, there's just, like, there's all of these success measures that how success has come to you in your life and how success has come to this podcast and how they're so intertwined that um like I just I believe it and you know like I want to you know jump on the bandwagon that you know you live your life on and that you know things if they're going to happen if they're meant to happen they will happen and that's exactly how I feel about this series of podcasts for you guys anyway it was lovely to be part of this podcast and I'm so happy to be sharing as a human being to other human being having a heart-to-heart conversation with everybody and all of you who are driving probably listening at the same time i love to listen to radio when i am driving so i'm sure that you must be doing the same (laughs) so basically what we are thinking is that our online we have a subscription model and we have found lovers we have 87 percent um retainment of a subscriber which is extremely high that means all the people who have subscribed they have come back and come back and come back and those who did not 
cancel the subscription is because they are traveling and they say oh stop my subscription for a while until I go to a new place a new city then send me uh, online so basically we have created this website called Spiru Vive S-P-I-R-U-V-I-V dot com or if you are easier to remember detoxtoday.ca anyway those are the website um, that you can click on and it just we try to sell it as low as possible so that it's accessible to everybody and we um, deliver it uh, we send it frozen but it arrives in your hand liquid cold so don't be surprised if it arrives liquid cold because it's meant to be Spirulina has lived for 3.6 billion years it's very resilient even liquid it's not going to be of any negative effect so basically we're very proud we're selling it now all North America online and we would be very happy to keep the price as low as possible and that's why for me this podcast could maybe help us to increase the number of buyers so that we are able to reach break even by the numbers and and if that doesn't happen then we'll have to figure out what is the best way to increase the price so that we can make it break even and you know just to recap for everybody like the the two online options are SPIR U-V-I-V-E dot com and D-E-T-O-X-T-O-D-A-Y dot C-A. And if there's, if there's any question in your mind that um, when, you know, sales so talking about keeping like the price down for this because he just, he, he wants to approach it from the humanitarian side where, you know, like it's about offering the product because he truly believes how this could change the face of, you know, like, like us as human beings. Like, I really hope that, you know, out of the hours that you've listened to us talking, out of the hours of the stories that Zoil has shared with us, that you feel that in your hearts. And, you know, like, again, at the end of the day, like it's still a business, there's still money that needs to be made to be able to pay the bills and to be able to fund research and take these products to the next level. But um, like, I feel the genuosity of, you know, wanting to be able to keep the price down. And I hope that you guys do too. And just understanding like the value of this product and, you know, like how it can impact and change your lives and, you know, understanding that, you know, that is so Hale's life and mission statement is to be able to change humanity and this is the new version of that this is the new version of providing electricity to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people in the congo this is you know to be able to provide roads for transportation you know it allows for millions of people to be able to train supply goods so that they can survive and thrive and you know like this this is the new version of that you know like this is the biofuel cars you know like this is the everything like this is an amalgamation of all those different ideas this is just the new version of soil's contribution to man and that's what these products represent not only in price but you know in in quality and in ingredients and just why it is even spirulina in general so um again so i just want to thank you for coming on the show and I know you guys haven't heard really anything from Susan. I don't know how you've been able to sit here for this long and, you know, 
not just like chiming because I've just been chomping at the bit to really get you. But uh, just so everybody knows, like um, I have tried to twist uh, Susan's arm to be able to come on, and uh, we're going to do a podcast together too. So if uh, if she will grace me with her presence, you guys will hear a lot more from her too. I look forward to that. Thanks, Blake. Well, thank you guys for very much for coming on, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye.